0: hello everybody i'm kp and welcome to million dollar exits a special segment on my main show the building public podcast in this interview series i sit down with founders who went from an idea to building a business and then eventually selling it for over a million dollars hence the name million dollar exits this is something i'm very passionate about and curious about at this point in my career i want to learn and share all the insights mindset shifts lessons and non-obvious tips that are part of this unique journey with the next wave of founders who wanna take this path as well. So buckle up and get ready to be inspired and informed. Here's a special shout out to our episode sponsor, Paralect.com. Million dollar ideas come from every possible niche. If you're a busy domain expert in marketing, sales, finances, or healthcare, and don't wanna spend six months just to build an MVP, you'll find Paralect super valuable. Paralect is a venture studio built to design, build, and launch a product for you that is ready to sell in under two months. Start with no code or go full stack right away. Simply focus on growing your early adopter community and build in public, and they'll take care of the rest. Build your million dollar startup with Parallect.com. Paralect.com. P-A-R-A-L-E-C-T.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Berlin Public Podcast. and I'm your host, KP, James Clift, joining us from Vancouver. Thank you so much, James. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me, KP. Excited to be here. Thank you. For folks who may not know about you, can you give us a quick, I know you are adorable now, but can you give us a quick recap of the last 10
1: years of your career? Yeah, for sure. I've owned businesses my entire career, so I've been gainfully unemployed ever since high school, which is my uh, my claim to fame. I've never, never had a job, which is kind of fun, right? And I think, so I ran a, a web development company in high school, ran a home services company in university, uh, went back to running a web agency after university, and then very long, tenuous journey of launching products. Um, one of them that we launched was called Visual CV. So top three resume and portfolio builders on the internet built that to about 4 million users, very profitable and sold that in 2020. So after that, it's really been kind of exploring new ideas. Um, I kind of went through a similar journey, right? Like, hey, I don't have to work right now. So what should I work on was a very broad question. So I went through a lot of projects, a lot of iteration, and really came back to this idea of, hey, like, what do I actually know best in the world? It's entrepreneurship. It's what I've done. It's what I believe in. It's what I think is what drives humanity forward. And how can we enable more entrepreneurship? So in the past 12 months, I've been working on a company called Durable. Um, We help you launch your business in 30 seconds. So we've got an AI-powered website built. That lets you just get something up the ground, running, custom domain name, analytics, get it out to the world, start getting customers in the door. And what we're really trying to do is build this entire system for automating and abstracting all the parts of a business you don't want to do, and letting you focus on the things that you're actually good at, which is the skill that you're delivering and your unique value. So yeah, that's been a that's been a journey that I'm happy to talk about as well. So definitely been through all of it. I've ran physical companies, I've ran software companies, and definitely yeah, been through the whole life cycle of entrepreneurship many times over. That's so, amazing. So, yeah, uh, I, I've checked out. Uh, durable.co by the way just uh, a few minutes before we joined i
0: joined and it was brilliant i thought it was so clever because it picked up my i think gps location like you know uh, my area and then i'm in beaufort so it was showing me like i just made a quick landscaping business website in like 30 seconds and it made the copy it wrote the testimonial and the landing page was set up and i was like wow this is so smart and i could see like some lead gen agency, and this is some, I don't know if you've thought of this, or this is a use case that's common, but I could see like a lead gen agency who are tech savvy and smart in like Beaufort, Georgia, where I live, right? They could just sit here and be like, all right, let's make a list of all these barbershops in our area. Let's generate really mobile friendly and elegant, well presented websites for these. And then we'll sell these leads for actual brick and mortar stores. For a certain rate, certain cut. And I thought that could be one of the use cases. Have you explored that?
1: Yeah, it's funny, right? So with a, like, I mean, business in general, it's kind of deciding, like, what are we going to be best in the world at? And it's either you're picking an existing category, bundling stuff up, making that user experience better, or building a user experience that's brand new. So, like, is it an order of magnitude faster, better, cheaper than what's out there right now? So what we're actually seeing is a lot of emergent behavior. So like people are surprising us with what they're building. So it is a lot of small agencies that are building websites for other small businesses. Right. Um, it's more brick and mortar than we thought. And it's a lot of like consultants and a lot of international folks too that we didn't expect. So they're living in France, but doing business in the US. So we let them write an English website with really right. great grammar. So it's just when you have a new technology that's just kind of taking off, it's seeing how people are using it as a opposed to like guessing what they're going to do. So we're trying to be not too prescriptive, but like, hey, like this is a tool. It's a brand new technology. Like, what happens when we make something 10 times faster, more accessible, more fun? And um, that's the other piece too, is people are just it's kind of playing fun. around with it too, right? It was definitely more fun because I was yeah. waiting to see what the AI would generate
0: at every step. I also like the approach that you had a container approach. I think you were showing like one step, you know, generate the copy there. And then go to the next container of the page. Show that you know. So I would smart because you know I'm very impatient. So if I was on the page waiting for the spinny thing for the whole yeah. thing to load at once would have been poor UX compared to what
1: what's on the site yeah and it's funny right because when we launched it it was we're like okay this is really cool for us internally but then you show it to people in the real world and like my mom was like oh my god this is magical my dad's like oh you got to see this John like come over and look at this so you kind of see that word of mouth in person and then that's what we've seen since launching is just like the word of mouth has been incredible the growth has been I mean we're we're at 100k websites built as of Jan 1 and now we're like 3xing that in less than a month so we're just seeing this organic spread and like just the like well, the emergent behavior is pretty cool I, I love it i mean i i could do a separate segment completely on just that because i feel like yeah. it's such a great product and i'm
0: uh, i love new products so but let's let's table that for uh, round two for i'm sure. particularly curious about sort of your life before durable you know if i'm if i'm right the million dollar exit story for you would be the previous company before durable yes correct, correct. can you give yeah. us a i don't know like a one minute recap of Take us through idea to exit. Yeah. And so give as much, I mean, give as much details as possible so people can be inspired, hopefully.
1: Yeah. So at that time, it was probably my, I forget the exact year, year four post-graduating university. Like we had literally did everything we could to make money legally on the internet. Yeah, right. Um, so I was writing blog posts on Seeking Alpha, like financial blogging. We were right. doing web design and development to make a bit of cash. Um, we had a bunch of different projects. A few got to revenue as well. So I had one that was like doing virtual events. So about 10 years too early, but we were making yeah. virtual job fairs for universities. And mm-hmm. we had a hiring platform. Um, so basically through that recruitment platform we had, we're like, okay, like, is there something here that we can build on the job seeker side that just makes it really simple and effective to build a resume and get a job? Because that's a big pain point when you're looking right. for work is actually just that, how do you present yourself? Right. Um, so yeah, we ended up launching. I mean, the true story was like, like I was shutting down all the other projects. I was looking at job opportunities. I'm like, okay, like this didn't work out for me. I'm going to go get a job and maybe do some sales or marketing somewhere and then come back to it at some point. But it was really, okay. Oh, you, you, your background, sorry to catch you. Your background, are you a developer or are you a business? Uh, no, I have no no discernible skill set. So, <laughs> so you're like no design, you're no great. development. Yeah, that makes, exactly. That makes two of us, All right? That's Yeah, <laughs> useless, but I I work with smart people. Right. So, I was looking at like yeah, job opportunities down in Silicon Valley, that kind of thing. And it was literally, okay, like or I have this opportunity to build this new thing, mm. and let's give it 2 months. That was it. Like, okay, like I think uh, I kinda just want to try this and see how it goes. So we ended up and um, we actually acquired the the site. So it was Visual C V was longer story, but they kind of raised some capital, shut down. It was like dead in the water, but a nice domain name. So we ended up acquiring that that domain and then building a new product behind it. And then yeah, first first few months we started getting some users. So we got a couple hundred users and then we switched on a paywall in October. So this was May twenty, I don't know, 2014 or something. Right. Um, but switched on a I pay a wall we made $2,000 our first month. Like, okay, there's something here. And then we made $5,000. Wow. And right. then we did a launch on product hunt and then our traffic like 3X overnight. And then it just kind of grew really steadily since then. Mm-hmm. So that business from the the outset, we were growing quite quickly with a very small team. So I think probably the best like point in the company was when there was three of us, we're doing 30K a month in revenue. I was living in Argentina doing the digital nomad thing. Right. like, okay, this is probably the most successful I will ever feel no matter how big this gets. Right. And And my goal really, um, ever since the onset was, hey, I want a business that makes me 10 grand a month that I can run from anywhere. Like that was the initial goal because- I didn't want to get a job. Really, it was like job avoidance more so than I want to build this massive empire and massive business. So that's what Visual CV ended up solving within the first six months. And then you quickly reset the goalposts. Like once you see that, you see the growth. Okay, now we want to build a million dollar business, a $5 million business, $10 million business. And I think it's not thinking too far ahead, but really thinking in these three month cycles of, okay, what can I launch, get market feedback, and what can get out into the world that will actually be able to see this, this, this momentum. And when it works, it happens quickly, which is Mm-hmm. really interesting but that period of trying to figure out what's going to work is so hard and so challenging right. and so nebulous like you don't know what you don't know but mm-hmm. yeah the thing that worked always kind of works which is super interesting so yeah visual cv grew i think our yeah within a couple of years we did a couple million a year in revenue um super cash flow positive so kicking off millions a year in free cash flow so paying dividends which is not a thing in startups typically wow. but right. we're paying ourselves right. pretty well and it's then still yeah is it it ended still up ongoing is it uh yeah so i, I ended up selling. Um, most of my portion to my partners because I was ready to do the next thing. Um, but yeah, it's a great business, still growing really well and just a, a solid business in a great space. So I think, um, that's yeah, great. that's that's definitely the, it solved what I was trying to solve for at the time, which was like building a product I, I liked with a team that I really liked and like solving the financial question, I think, which right. is kind of a, a big part of the like step one of entrepreneurship, I think, is like you think money first, and you think impact and vision next, Right. at least so for I, me, right? You,
0: I agree. I think, thanks for saying that because i feel like sometimes people get the order wrong and i mean i'm not knocking on anyone i feel like i've been in those shoes you know it's like it's like i can't really tell uh, but the draw what drives me is impact when i wake up you know yeah. like, clearly money is not guaranteed for you or for me yeah. so obviously like you have to be driven by something else so what drives me is impact like seeing that hey, i'm solving a deep pain for somebody out there in argentina or like bangalore like this is really yeah. helping someone get you know get closer to something that they want you know But the challenge is sometimes putting one like which which should be before the other, you know, in terms of being strategic about your journey. And I think this is another question. This is sort of like one of my first questions for you is around if you had to go back and, you know, give your younger self one specific piece of advice around financial side of this? And I don't know how much you give a thought at the time because you seem like you were just nomading, but what would that advice be about being strategic around the financial side of this?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've thought about that quite a bit. I think beyond the financial piece, the number one thing I would tell myself is don't stress about it so much, like it's Mm going to work out. So I think... I wouldn't change the trajectory or the impact or all the stuff we built, because it leads to a good place, right? And I think mm. entrepreneurship to me is this long term bet that always pays off. Like I truly believe that. Mm. And it's it's high volatility, but low risk. So you're gonna have periods where it's up and down, it's crazy, but you're always moving up. You never move backwards. And I think over mm. a long enough time frame, your risk is lower. I think your risk with a job is you get used to a salary, you get used to your paycheck, your mortgage, and then all of a sudden you're laid off. Like what's happening right. now? Like like, holy yeah. shit, I have not built this resilience into my my life, into my finances, into my brain. And if you have one customer as an entrepreneur, then you have a lot of risk. And right. that's what a, an employer is, is one customer for your entire mm. financial situation or your families. Right. Um, so I think that's how I look at entrepreneurship. But the thing I would change is this: the stress. <laughs>
0: that's brilliant, man. I mean, I, I think just the way you phrased that one customer thing is brilliant. To your point, because, you know, I was in those shoes where I was at On Deck and I was at day one and I felt like I was doing way more than what my job title was at both these jobs because that's just the founder DNA that I have in me. However, I was tied to those two financial sources and situations didn't work out, you know, the market didn't work out. And so I was part of the layoffs at On Deck and it was so painful because I built an empire and movement around me. Yeah. But I was suddenly not valuable for the CFO of the company. I'm not, you know, it's not specifically me. It was just a bunch of people. Yeah. I had to be like reckon with the truth of like, okay, what do I do now? But my momentum, I built all the momentum and the empire for somebody else, you know? Yeah. And so I walked away almost with nothing, you know, except my yeah. brand and all these followers and everything else. But I'm like... Yeah,
1: which is more than most people walk away with from which a job, is, yeah. right? I
0: told yeah. everybody when I joined on deck, everybody when I first joined, everybody were like talking about building in public and they were like, KP, you're spending too much time on Twitter, too much time on podcast. And I like I had the intuition, not not the negative intuition around like, oh, my God, maybe I could be fired one day. I just wanted to build a moat around yeah. who I was as a person and what I have to offer to the world, et cetera, et cetera. That would compound in the long run. You know, not necessarily that I saw the layoff coming because nobody saw layoffs coming 2022, right? Or 21. Yeah. But it so worked out peacefully. I mean, pleasantly for me because when I walked out, I still had the motor on me. But still financially, it was a huge jolt. And as a, as a father of a young kid with, you know, he's like 15 months old at the time. Yeah. My wife and I, our bills and everything. It was so painful, you know? Like yeah. it was a jolt. And yeah. I really wanted to never be in that situation ever again. And I'm like, yeah. I got... Too much firepower in me to not be in this shit, you know, ever again. And it's not no one's fault, but it's my own sort of
1: evolution and thinking. Like I got to be, market should be the boss, not a particular person, you know? Yeah. And I think the financial piece is like, frankly, one of the most important things to consider with yeah. this journey. Right. And it depends who you are. I think if you come from money, then you kind of start at a place where you have less inherent risk. And I mean, right. I know like my downside scenario, I can always move back in with my, I could have always moved back in with my parents or something, right. which is a luxury too, that a lot of people don't have. Yeah, um, but for me, it was really like, how do I solve for money first? Yeah. And that was the first business we we're doing service company, which is a lot easier to start to scale, to get to revenue. And it was really like, how do I pay rent this month? How do I eat? We're doing some, I was doing some hustling, like renting my room out in Airbnb and sleeping on my couch a few weekends, but which is, is fun too, right? I think it teaches resilience to some degree, but yeah, I think it's like money as the, it's not my primary motivator. It's kind of like that margin of safety you want to have to take bigger risks. And now I'm thinking about having a family and everything too. And my, I don't know, retiring my folks and that kind of thing. I think those like money's a great tool to solve security. And I think for the way I'm wired, like I need to have that solved to some degree to feel comfortable, take the big swing. And part of that's maybe salary or savings or, but I, I think a lot of people underestimate that as well. I have a lot of friends that think they can walk away from a salary. And then within three months, they're like panicking because like, there's nothing more addictive than a monthly paycheck. And when that check's exactly. not coming in, you're like, damn, my savings is declining very rapidly. And I spend right. a lot more money than I think I do. So I think there's a lot of tactics that you can take to be ready for that. And like, mostly it's preparing your brain for that inevitable moment when you start panicking about money. Um, but the the reality is like, if you want to be on this journey, you have to believe that you will be successful and that over a long enough time frame, it will work out. And money, I think the other interesting thing about money when you're an entrepreneur versus an employee is... Is, it's abstracted, right? It becomes not just this thing that someone gives you. It's like this thing in the world in which if you create value, you get more of it, which is like you, really the cool. More you gen- yeah. The
0: more value you generate, it's like you're pressing a button called value and then, you know, yeah. there's a there's there's a shoot of, you know, there's a shoot that's spitting out money. But instead, yeah. to your point, yeah. like, it's so non, it's sometimes disconnected. Like you're pushing the button of value, 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 value. And then after out, out of like 10 times, maybe like one time, you get, a, you get something out of it, you know? And so there's a sense of, like, that's what keeps this game super challenging in a way, but also fascinating, right? Is that yeah. nobody has the key. Nobody has to know, nobody knows exactly, you know, which is the exact yeah. thing you can yeah. do to the market to make it give you, you know, the, give you the revenue you want, right? So you have to keep trying yeah. and failing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's the, like for me, when I sold the last business and I had another project, I just went right back into, we got to make this work. Like I didn't actually take any time to consider why I wanted to do it. i was just like, okay, I got a business. I got to make it work. And I had another project that actually got really good traction. We sold that as well. There wasn't a huge exit, but good exit. Um, nice. But it was more like how do you spend the time to think about what you actually want to spend time which is the luxury that you've earned from selling a company but before that. that it's like yeah you got to get your head down and work and grind it out otherwise right. to me anyway you have to earn that right to have the, the big vision the big impact take the bigger swing or you do that first which is totally fair too i think it just depends on your personality and what you're trying right. to solve for right. and everyone's journey is different as well it's not yeah this is why i don't like this whole like bootstrapper versus vc backed versus like it's not a religion like, right like like money is a tool for the job, right? So if your business requires capital, and it will be better, and you want to run a business that raises capital, go do that. If right. you want to bootstrap a business, then do that as well. They're both equally challenging, right? It's more what what pill do you want to swallow? Yeah, right. Yeah. And I mean, and you can change your mind, too. I think that's right. part of the challenge with like building kind of dogmatic views on a lot of this stuff is I think a lot of these people that have been like the, the most famous bootstrappers or whatever, like maybe raise capital for one project, see if you like it. Because I've had a great experience raising money, my investors have been yeah. amazing, and it's been a lot of fun right. too. And frankly, kind of more fun than bootstrapping in a lot of ways right. too. Because you can it's build a big like team, you can build take bigger bets. Yeah. Right. So there's it's always hard no matter what, and I yeah. think it's just picking you what pick, what yeah. hard you want to choose. Right. Right. I agree. I fully agree. I mean,
0: I I worked at two venture back companies, and I I've seen that side of the story, and I've you know invested in like nine of them. I truly believe that venture has a role to play in the ecosystem, you know, but it's not the only way, certainly at the same time, bootstrapped is not the only, it's, it's, I mean, to your point around, it's like the same no code versus code debate. Then I, I I was like, if it helps somebody and if it empowers someone, I think whatever tools they use is irrelevant, you know? So we've seen Zapier go from, you know, I think they raised a small round initially and then they've always been bootstrapped crazy. And then you see Stripe crush it as a, you know, basically backed company. So there's always yeah, yeah. like examples on each side. So I have a couple of qu- I mean, I have, a, I think four or five questions. I'm going to run through them quickly awesome. with you. I want to pick your thoughts on this. Okay. So here's the one. What is something most founders think is important that you don't think is important early on? And someone like me can skip early. In this scenario, I'm an early stage founder. I'm at the starting line and you've crossed the finish line. So what would
1: that be? So is a good question. Hmm. I think everything's important. Mm. (laughs) I think all this stuff is really hard. I think like social cachet is certainly not important. Like Mm. telling your, like caring what other people think is definitely not important. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes you catch people that are doing it for some weird form of social clout and, Mm like actually caring about the job title is definitely the least important thing. Right. To me, like that phase is, like the early phase is figuring out what you're going to do, what your market is, what your product is, who your customers are. So I think it's like any form of cachet or social status or anything, like just round that to zero because it doesn't matter. And no one cares what you're doing either. That's another thing. People think that it's like what their family thinks is, important no one cares. Like right. th- no one, I don't even tell people what I do 90% of the time. I say it like I work in online marketing. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, build something else around your identity that's going to, like, give you something to talk about. But, like, unless someone is your customer, your investor, your partner, your employee, just, like, don't worry about what other people think. So that's that's one uh, thing people think is more important than it's not. Would
0: you say it's fair to sort of caveat, I mean, would you say it's fair to, like, let people know, hey, don't come into this game of entrepreneurship if you are in here for the lifestyle? For the Lamborghinis, or for yeah, exactly right. For the gram, you know, for TikTok or whatever. Yeah, um, is that, I, I guess that's the
1: message. I think, right? It's like the cloud well, comes it, it, the, To be fair, it might be still the best way to get to a point where you can buy a Lamborghini, but it's like an uncertain outcome. I just think it's it's a lot. It's not glamorous in the slightest. Yeah. If if it is, then you're doing something strangely, right. and I I just don't agree with From that. your experience. Sure. At least it was not glamorous, and I think that's that's the real truth. I, I think that's 90%. Yeah. Nice. I mean, most of your life is spent behind a like a laptop, hunched over a laptop. Like it's not that cool. Right. right. Even I mean, Argentina was amazing. I like I lived a great lifestyle down there. But at the end of the day, most of my time was still spent behind a laptop. Right. Right. So, but you I think, didn't do you um,
0: think the Argentina stuff has as sort of like, oh yeah, the founder
1: of Visual CV? You just did it because you were there, happened to be there, right? Yeah. Um, and I look at most yeah. of things as like, again, it's just like what value you're creating and what energy mm-hmm. are you putting out there into your business that's going to result in people, people's lives improving. Mm-hmm. And it's not that, it's not a complex, equ- it's not hard, it's not, it's not complicated, it's just very hard to get that right. Mm-hmm. Damn. But yeah. yeah, I love that. It's not complicated, but it's very hard. That's true. So
0: another question that I have is, is, did you have, what did you do that was radically different from
1: your peers who started along with you that you think has served you well? Well, a lot of my peers have taken companies public and are like billionaires now. So I, maybe I fucked up. <laughs> I should
0: text me those numbers. I should ask you yeah, like, what, what sure. I've with me then, James. Well, you know, I like, actually, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there yeah. there must have been a lot, you know, even if yeah. you didn't really meet with them or were friends with them. But like yeah. the wave of founders that you were a part of at the time, a lot of them must have been left behind or maybe still grinding. What do yeah. you think that you've done intentionally step over step over step that was slightly different.
1: I think there's a quality of found, like founders have to be relentlessly optimistic long-term, but mm. short-term, incredibly pessimistic. And I think the people Wait, that what have that, seen- What does that mean? So yeah. long-term optimistic means like, this is going to work out. I'm going to build something successful. Pessimistic is like, we need to grind every single day to launch something, get feedback. Like it's not working, be honest with yourself. And I think a lot of people that the visionary without substance is a mm. common theme and you spend a decade on- something that's not really working. It's like Mm. either a dumb idea, market doesn't like it, but it's not being honest with yourself. You're not reflecting on the actual feedback that you're getting. And you can spend a lot of time on something that's not working. And it takes takes a long time to get something launched that will be working. But you also know within three to six months if it's going to work or not. Like... Mm unequivocally across the board like if you'll want the thing that you're doing the internet's so big that they will discover it find it um right. if you i mean you obviously have to market it too right. but right. like you get market signal faster it's not now, a 10-year process to get market right. signal now right? it's social. it's like yeah you definitely get signal yeah very fast yeah. It's, it's incredible how fast things can grow if it's right. if you hit the right thing right um so mm-hmm. i think just being like honest with yourself is really important and yeah i think for me what i did differently i think yeah You already seem to have answered a bit of this with me. Like, I feel like even from the get go, I felt
0: a strong dose of this is going to work out energy from you. And uh, it's so so refreshing to hear that and feel in in your presence, be in your presence because it's just so energizing, you know, to just believe that it's going to work out. Right. And and not from a delusional point of view. And I'm not just saying like, hey, yeah, we're going to do it anyway. It's like, not like a cult, but this is hard, but I will figure this out or we will figure this out. So there's this optimism, long term optimism that I'm already sensing, and combine that with what you just said, short term, like yeah, no one's no one owes you shit. Let's go to yeah. work, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> exactly. This, this yeah. is great, but then who's gonna write the copy on the sales page? You gotta write yeah, it. So Exactly. It, right.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or AI yeah, can write it for you too. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yes. At some point, it is gonna be easy, but not a, quite yet. For yeah. a
0: small <laughs> price of forty two dollars per per month. Um, exactly. <laughs> Okay, you, we talked about that. So what what are some of the struggles that you faced early on that you think could have been avoided maybe and next time around, you know, you you're not facing those, those as
1: much. Um, everything, man. Really? Everything's a struggle. I think mm. just I mean, part of it's inherent personality, right? But mm. it's like the stress is real and it had a lot of moments of just you're doing something new. I think that's the other thing. It's like mm. if it's your first time as an entrepreneur, like you have to unlearn everything you've learned. Like school tells you what to do, jobs tell you what to do. Like there's formulas for this stuff but entrepreneurship is so nebulous and weird and stressful you have to make it all up and figure it all Mm. out and that is incredibly stressful Mm. uh, if it's something you've never done before so you are learning and growing every day if you're doing it right and you should Mm. be stressed but I think it's the difference between good stress and bad stress so I think for me it's that like I wish I didn't have a lot of that like deep anxiety the whole time until it worked and like for this new company Endurable I'm really consciously trying to have fun, right. right? Cause I think it can be fun, right? And I think even if I look back on the last decade, like that could have been fun too. It could have been more fun, right? right? I could have like just woke you, up and been a little bit less stress.
0: The, how would you, how would you have shifted the focus from? Cause it seems like your focus was on some other aspect. And now this time around, the focus is not on that aspect clearly. And that's like not stressing you out. What was the yeah. focus
1: on at the time? I mean, all- the money's part of it, I think, just like getting the money problem solved to some degree, but it's right. not all of it, right? Because 10K a month or 5K a month, like your money problem starts to become solved. I think it's right. just, there's so much like personal like work that needs to be done to be it's almost like you got to change the tool right you got to improve yourself to a level where it's like okay like cultivate that optimism Um, if you're really stressed out figure out like other things in your life that make you happy like sports family relationships whatever Mm -hmm. but don't build your whole identity around this and I think too it's just the the nature of the work is often it's not fun like I don't like sitting at a computer for 10 hours a day is not that fun for Mm -hmm. me personally but it's like okay it's a job be grateful for the opportunity like like Mm -hmm. it's also better than like a lot of our customers have real jobs that are hard and they're doing physical labor so yeah we're lucky to be able to help them out and to build them so I think it's just like a lot of the things like just train your mind to be somewhat okay with the journey and it's not saying no stress like stress is a good thing right. um i'm an athlete like that's training stress is good stress right. performance stress is good stress you should feel stressed out before an important phone call or customer meeting right but it's more just the like that nebulous like the worst stress is when nothing's happening that's the yeah. hardest thing is that that's existential nice. like is this the right thing does anyone care am i gonna oh fail in my, yes. my family like that is yeah. the hardest thing and i do not have a solution for that besides like keep working towards monthly recurring revenue solves all of that. Just like figure out <laughs> what is, you can do right. to get to MRR. Like that's the only cure for real anxiety is <laughs> the, the, MRR. <laughs> the weird
0: thing about the sort of nebulous stress you talked about. And I I've had my share of this is, is that I feel like I'd rather just have the damn adversity than anxiety. hundred percent. I love like, a crisis. Give it to like, me. Give it yeah. to me. If you, what, what's the worst yeah. that could happen? Like yeah. COVID happened. Remember everybody yeah. was panicking. I'm like, give it to me, give that damn COVID. Yeah. I'll deal yeah. with it. You know, yeah. but the potential looming chance of getting COVID is way more stressful.
1: Hundred percent, right? because you're yeah. like
0: constantly second guessing everything, like, You know, washing yeah, you're like
1: washing down. your groceries right. or I'm whatever. Like, we were damn, doing. just yeah.
0: and you know, as entrepreneurs, or even like as someone who's you know, I'm in 34 now, so as someone who's spent three decades of my time on the planet Earth, I've had yeah. my share of adversity. So just give it to me. And yeah. what's been so unique about sort of being a founder is that there's really like you don't get the adversity you just yeah. get you have anxiety. to create it for
1: yourself you're lucky if you have adversity right exactly. you have to make you're your own adversity if,
0: you're, yeah. if you're lucky if your thing just like immediately goes and tanks and you got like the shittiest baddest like yeah. worst product launch you never yeah. it's usually like somewhere in the middle and so yeah, you're exactly like, yeah so you're like uh, did that crush? it was great or like you get one positive compliment from one customer and then 80 of them visit the homepage and never go to the sign i'm like what yeah. is right so that yeah that nebulous thing which you're talking about, I'm sure a lot of a lot of folks on uh you know will relate to. So what I'm hearing from you is that how do you get sort of cope with it is accept that it's part of the game, you know, and look for areas and focus on areas where it's more fun. Is that correct? Like try to like shift yeah. away your attention from that.
1: Or find a way to make the the crappy stuff fun too. Like mm-hmm. like sending sales emails sucks, but Whatever you got to do it, right? Yeah. And accept that it's your job that you've chosen to. Every job has crap that you have to do that you don't want to do. I think the other stuff that's like is kind of zooming out as well. Like whatever, we're minuscule pieces in a vast universe, and none of this really matters. Is also a good philosophy as well. So I think it's like being able to abstract the whole game and just like, no, it's a game. It's fun. Hopefully, it's fun. The outcome's uncertain, but you'll figure it out over a long enough time frame. I it's all these things have to happen because the like what I see people doing is like i had a friend that just was founding a startup and he was just so incredibly stressed and i was mm. like dude like if you're not if you're this stressed now it doesn't get easier if you're successful <laughs> right. like the, right. the game just changes right mm. it's just that you have to find a way to like like you're like every time you found it you're going to be stressed right mm. but like if this is the level now like you shouldn't, you're not, it's not the time. You need more savings. You need more buffer. You need to like lower your lifestyle costs. You need to just be comfortable with the uncertainty. I think that's a lot of the challenge of going from job to no job is like, that's very, very hard for a lot of people. So it's figuring out what you need to truly, honestly to yourself, be in a position where you can think abundantly and take those risks. Right. Otherwise, you're just going to be stressed out and like running around and not actually frantically doing things, but not actually accomplishing anything either. Right, so. and I think the this, this kind of anxiety and stress hijacks your productivity too, right? Like it's just,
0: you're just yeah. not as abundant-minded and as like relaxed as you can be. And it clearly impacts- your sales, marketing, and all these other things too, yeah. right?
1: So I will say one two, thing too that's like I kind of undervalued is the community piece of it. So I yeah. was lucky enough how did you, 10 years. Yeah,
0: how did you, what was yeah. your support system like? How did you find community in, in
1: the early days? So like 10 years ago, there was a co-working space that popped up in, in Vancouver. And I just, there was like, it was kind of underground. Gotta a shout like, out. What, what is it called? Yeah, it was called Launch Academy. They're oh, amazing. Shout out, shout out Launch yeah. Academy. All right. Yeah, so within that first cohort, there was just six people that I'm best friends with now. So we went through it together, right? So one of them took a company public, one of them built like Bootstrap a $10 million a year company, just a lot of success that came out from that small group. But those are your peers, right? Those are my best friends mm-hmm. that you can text. And like I play poker with people that are running big companies now. And it's just like, oh yeah, this is normalized, right? Like you normalize success, you normalize the stress, you normalize the like the game. And I think that makes it like so much easier. You just kind of the realm of possibilities opens up you realize like none of these people are smarter than me better than me they just at it long enough and they got lucky enough that they've been this successful so i think that's been a huge part of it and then the next community for me was south park common so um oh, yeah. group of wow. yeah the, nice. yeah they're they're a Yeah. They're amazing. They're a fund, but also like more so community that happens to have a fund. But again, amazing group of people. Kind of the big thing for that was just leveling up my ambition. So just being in that world where, wow, I actually, I wasn't sure I wanted to build a venture back company. It was, but being exposed to that environment and the the opportunity and the abundance mindset from those folks really just, yeah made me think a lot bigger as well and like be able to like train myself to have the freedom to take the risk that I truly I wanted to take but I was scared to I think that's been right. a huge part of my journey as well so those two have been like life-changing and career-changing for sure
0: now the venture back thing is that durable or is that the one that's, that's durable? durable yeah yeah we raised yeah, yeah. a around in, right. in May right awesome I just helped um somebody one of the South Park Commons founders yesterday on Product Hunt. Oh, no way. Awesome. Also building a, I don't know if you saw, but he was also building a AI product called Stylized, I think. Shout out. Yeah, yeah, um, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was was cool. So I'm like, wow, small world. So another fun question for you. What's something that you believed five years
1: ago that you had to unlearn to get to where you are now? I didn't really believe in venture-backed companies until I raised money. (laughs) I think that's one thing. I thought golf was a really dumb sport. It's actually pretty fun. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I think like things do happen... If something's gonna work, it does happen fast. And I think if something's not working after an amount of time, you just need to be honest and try something else. That might have a better chance at working. I think the like long term vision is really important, but how you get there can change, right? So if you pick a big enough market and a like a specific customer, there's a lot of ways to solve a lot of problems on the internet. I also think the like don't underrate trends and waves as well, I think mm. is really interesting. So people are I mean, generative AI is totally right. the thing right now, but for good reason it's incredible and mm. it could be world changing. I think it will be. So people are like, oh, you're just on it. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not a decision because it's cool, but because I actually believe it. But I think trends are a lot bigger than they used to be now, too. So Mm. because things move so fast and the like the world is so close on the Internet, like the right trend actually moves 100 times bigger than you think it would, Mm. which is where you see like a lot of grifters as well. And like a lot of like that behavior, but also like the underlying thing thing is this is actually an important thing to consider and being a part of a wave that's like moving very quickly can be very trajectory changing and really exciting so i think don't underestimate the waves is another one
0: i love that i'm glad that
1: you brought it up because i feel like it's a very
0: contested point of view because you know some people are like no we're we're definitely you know we don't want to be bandwagons or like you know sort of bandwagon fans or whatever like basically ride the waves all the time and then there are people like you who mentioned like we just said no no waves are good waves are showing us some customer behavior change yeah. which i think is key here right like because every wave i think a successful wave actually changes consumer behavior like we would 100%. not be having this online virtual podcast if not for covid yeah right like i'm never gonna go in person to ever like vancouver to record podcasts with you <laughs> and i've had 45 episodes i never traveled anywhere this yeah. would not have happened people would not have been this comfortable just doing an online exactly. podcast before COVID. So that way yeah. it really changed our behavior. Uh, yeah. And then there are some that doesn't. Like I think a lot of Web3 got the heat because it was trying to change the behavior and didn't. Yeah. People still don't use wallets. Like an average person doesn't use a wallet yet. Yeah. So I think, you know, some waves really, like with AI, like my wife was a, high school, uh, was a middle school teacher. She's already like looking at that. I'm like, all right, I want to like play with it. I'm like, wow, that's yeah. cool. Right, imagine yeah, exactly. an English teacher and she's like, okay, this is really powerful being able to chat with AI. And so I think- And I don't
1: think that it's like, don't just jump on it lightly either, right? I think that's the, so with Durable, it was always, how do we make starting a business frictionless, right? Mm. And then what tools- emerge that made that even more frictionless and better, Mm -hmm. right? So that audience, that customer, that mission, that vision didn't change, but it's how do we utilize that to actually solve a real problem for people? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference in like kind of doing something that you deeply care about, or at least a user you care about or a person or a customer that lets you kind of like match these ideas together in a way that creates something magical and more unique and, and special in the world. And I'm working on this weird theory about, I mean, theory of life, but to me, it's really this idea of energy. So it's like, what energy are you putting into the world, into your business? What is your team putting in? And that actually shows, right? If you all really care about this, Mm. then it's going to show you're going to have better ideas. You're going to build better products. You're going to have better customer outcomes. Your life will be better and you'll wake up more energized. So if right. you're waking up every day and you don't have energy to do this thing, then it's really worth a gut check on, is this the right thing? And then you decide, is it because I'm stressed about money or it's the existential crisis period, which is fine. Like right. go have a few drinks and like, right. no, it'll pass. Right. And, or just do some work and it also passes. Mm. But it's really that, I think that constant, reminder to yourself is this like is this the thing that i want to do is it moving in the right direction and most of the balance is figuring out is it me is it market is it product and Mm. like training yourself over a long enough time frame, you start getting those questions right Mm. and i I actually didn't think i was that good at this like i'm not it's not like a a humility thing but i was like i was terrified of failing again even though i've already succeeded and then now we're seeing success it's like okay like clearly i have learned something over the last 15 years that i can apply and that Like I, you you don't move backwards, right? The goalposts like keep moving forwards, which is the beauty of this world that we're in and the luck that we have to be in it. Right. I
0: also like to to your earlier point about sort of when you, when you start over fresh after a huge success that you had with the visual CV, a lot of people don't start over fresh with the level of humility that you had. Well, I haven't seen that. But what I mean is you just sort of had to have had low ego to start humbly again, something new called durable. And like, all right, we're going to give this another shot, right? A lot of people are just still attached to that first win because they're like, okay, I don't want to fail and look like a fool in public. But you're never going to go to the next step function if you don't try that next thing. And it, it is inherently risky. Like you could have, this could have been a dumb move just like, FIR, yeah. right? Like, if yeah. three months ago, this could have turned a whole different direction. And, like, we would be talking about Durable as, like, hey, that was a fun thing. It I didn't it. work out, right? It didn't KP, let's try it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And, I think and that level just, of yeah. humility is important. And what I'm seeing is it's not so much humility, but it's, like, really driven by curiosity. Like, I'm curious about this and I want to do this. And I'm like, so be it if I have to be a beginner.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, too, it's the... Like it's, I mean, the regret minimization yeah. is the most yeah. trite framework, but it's actually the way I look at a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. So with like running, like I was terrified to raise venture initially because mm-hmm. I'd never done it before. And I'm like, oh, is this going to be like the most stress I've ever felt? Right. But it's more, will I regret not having tried? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's entrepreneurship. Generally, if you're going to look back on your life or your experiences, are you going to regret not mm-hmm. trying something more so mm-hmm. than trying it? And what's your downside? Right. It's okay. Right. You're stressed out. You look dumb. Um, you go get a job. <laughs> right. Right. Like, okay, no one cares. No one cares, right? Your investors like, want you to be successful. Be they they right. care if you're successful. They don't care right. if you fail. They care if right. you're successful. And it's your job to be successful. But um, at the end of the day, if you try your very, very hardest and do everything with good intention and you work your ass off, I think you will be successful, number one. But if you're not, then at least you tried. And I think that's right. super important and really simple, really trite, but it's the truth. And I think for me, it was playing. I played the game at a certain level. Okay, like, what does the next level look like? What does the world look like? What is the realm Mm. of possibility? If I just decided to, like, I don't know, go live on a farm somewhere, I would lose that kind of exposure to the adjacent possible, which I think Mm. is exciting about the world and technology is like, yeah, let's, like, you don't know what you don't know. So that one opportunity to join South Park Commons led to this, led to this, led to this, and like, your life starts expanding in a different way that you didn't know Right. right? And I think with a job, you can see a linear path and then, okay, we, I'll, I'll go to level five and I'll make 400K a year and then level right. six and I'll be a director. So yeah, it's fine. It's great. Nothing wrong with that. But you don't have these like exponential it's step initial. changes yeah. that can yeah. happen with a, like a, a more nebulous journey of entrepreneurship.
0: Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Like it's less linear and more exponential, which means it's very less, predict- like it's not, yeah, it's just not linear, right? There's no like one step leads to the other thing. It's like step functions, you know? Also, it's like you're The TAM of your impact also compounds with each step. So with durable, the TAM is crazy high. Like every online business on the planet ever or whoever, every online... Potential emerging entrepreneur, emerging founder is like huge everywhere. Yeah. Anybody on, yeah. on the, on the yeah. internet, as opposed to online CV, which would have been like job seekers only, right? So, yeah. like your even, even your, then it was
1: get, it was four million people. Like, yeah, I was a kid th- from like Vancouver, and four right. million people use the thing that we built. Like, that's wild. absolutely wild. It's right. so cool, right? Yeah, and then again, like the like, I'm just so happy like, for you, man. Yeah. I feel like you're
0: you're doing it the way I would have done it, and I I'm so happy to sort of see you. St- a few steps ahead of me and like get the boost of confidence that I think I got and hopefully like anybody, you know, who's listening to also got where you took your shots, but you did them with the right intention, what I'm hearing. And you just really leveled up at every step as a founder as well, you know, and I think that's, that's very key. And a personal transformation is part of the journey. So James, I got a unique question for you, which is something that I ask all my mentors. If if you were in my shoes, what would you do? And I'll, I'll lay out the table, I'll lay out the context here. So you're someone who has a great grasp on marketing and sales. I think very much like your story, you know, like strong with business skills, built up a lot of distribution, audience, followers, online, whatever. So there's like some good leverage and assets you have there in that sense and social capital. And now you have, I don't know, 15 to 20 ideas in Notion Doc that you want to test out. So you have a technical partner who will help you build some of this stuff and test them cheaply, like one-week MVPs, that kind of thing. But it's a portfolio approach. And the intention is we want to build something that generates money. It's you know, profitable, that it grows fast. It's definitely not a venture intention at the moment, but something that can be a sustainable business, that could potentially be exited, but not so much attached to the exit only, but growing
1: a great business. How would you go about this? What do you actually want to do? Like, what do you actually want to build? If you could just like have the thing that you wanted in three months, like, what would that be? Would that be, we're making 10 grand a month, we're making 100 grand a month, I go make I sell for a million dollars in a year. Like, what is the actual outcome you're working okay, okay, backwards Okay,
0: okay, okay, that's a good question.
1: Financial freedom, like I said at the beginning, okay.
0: I, I want something yeah. like a million dollar exit. Um, okay. just So that I don't have to worry about monthly bills or doing consulting yeah. gigs. Okay, yeah. so a
1: million dollar exit. I actually like would abstract a little bit. So is that cash flow? So I got a million bucks in the bank, it's paying like 6%, so yeah, 60 like- grand a year. So right. like that's equivalent to a software business doing, you have two people, so 12K a month in revenue with right. good net margin. So, okay, we wanna to get to 10K a month in revenue. I would reverse engineer that first saying, okay, we've mm. got this list of ideas. Um, One, what do we wanna do? I think that's like part of the criteria. What do we actually like doing? What do we believe mm. in? So like some combination of we believe in this. So that's one part of the Venn diagram. Then it's, is there customer demand for this? Is there market demand for this? We've got a big audience. How can we leverage that and use that to build um, kind of our first customer base? And then like, okay, we've got a bunch of ideas. What do we want to do? What do the customers want? And then how can we build it? And then I time box that saying within the shortest amount of time, how can we get something out that's going to get market feedback? So right. um, I wouldn't do more than one. I do one project at a time, but I would sequence it and then really mm. gut check on that three month time frame of, okay, like, does anyone care about this? Mm. Are we getting Revenue, are we getting signal and just looking at it as a like the portfolio approach to some degree, but like really being like you can't parallel process anything. You got to be full you on focus on one Ooh. thing at a time what, and then say, okay, like if we, if we don't get there in three months, we don't get to 10K a month, which I think people set their bar too low as well. Like I think that's part of the challenge of like 10K a month is like, I don't know, 100 customers at 100 bucks a month. It's not that many customers considering you have a big audience and you got something that's valuable and maybe part of that could be service enabled. So you tack on some consulting on mm. top of some product stuff. But okay, like if that's the mark and that frees your mind up to think of the next thing, I think you try and get there as soon as possible. And if you don't, then you reevaluate and maybe you set like some finite cycle and okay we're gonna try this for a year and if it doesn't work i'll go get a job Mm -hmm. Um, but you kind of have to like job for now and then come back to it but i think you have to like get rid of that underlying anxiety that you're gonna be broke forever doing this because it's like like it's not the truth right and it's yeah so i would say yeah, time box it, pick the thing you want to work on and the thing with the highest customer demand, figure out which one of those you care more about. Probably customer demand more than what you want to at this point, because it's, you're trying to be a bit more mercenary about getting to that capital point right. of like right. making enough money. And then like a million bucks in the bank is like 10K a month in recurring revenue at good margins. So like forget about the million, get to the like recurring revenue. And then if you get to 10, a hundred's a lot easier than that. Like right. one to 10 is very hard. One to a thousand is really hard. Thousand really? to ten thousands. So? Is- would you say yeah your first revenue is really hard i just Mm. like getting to a point where someone's paying you for something you built is quite challenging unless you have the audience maybe part of that's like your audience will pay for it initially and then it's hard to get your next batch of customers that you don't know but typically if something gets to like 10 grand a month in revenue it gets to 50 because why wouldn't it like nothing changes right you um, gotta have something by then like there's something that the market wants from you if you're getting there's 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 scale i think another way of looking at it way more mercenarily is like look out like like what's venture back that's doing really well. Can you build a version of that for a smaller niche as well? So, okay, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a category leader in content creation for, like we've got the general tools like Jasper and Copy AI. Maybe it's content creation for creators and you build the product for that because you're like you know them you work with them you can build your own product around that like that's clearly a category there will be a category leader mm. in every niche of ai content yeah, so right. it's how do you like mash these ideas together in a way that's gonna like leverage the the assets that you have and the skills that you have already yeah that's sorry that's like really no both cool. specific and general I, advice <laughs> no, that was good that was good i you got my
0: gears grinding i mean what one other thing that I wanted to touch on there is you mentioned sequencing. I think that's very key. You kind of brushed it off as, as, like, as if it's obvious, which is obvious to you. But a lot of founders in my stage that I look around and I talk to a lot of people in this stage, they're doing this portfolio of small bets approach, which I, which I think is you know, it's smart but they have three or four SaaS tools that are on the market. Can I have a and hot take? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I don't think it's take. smart. <laughs> I, mean, I, love it. I love it. Go on. Like if one thing works, then double down on it, right? Uh, like it's so much easier. If you have revenue, right? If you have eight things that make no revenue, then that is like, so not a very had, good portfolio okay, you, either.
0: <laughs> here's a real scenario. If you had yeah. three products, one of them making 100 MRR, one yeah. of them is 250 MRR, one of them is $8 MRR. And then six of them, there are six others, by the way, that are yeah. all zero, yeah, what
1: is the approach i would like I would kill all of them and do something that makes a bit more money. <laughs> like that's not very much revenue right i think yeah, like yeah. 250 a month like i look at the one that's doing 250 and I, again i look at the same thing users market opportunity and revenue like if you have eight things you're like your brain is thinking about eight different things mm. that's impossible like think about the one thing with 250 in revenue how do you get that to a thousand bucks or 2500 like that is a lot easier than trying to make eight things kind of work because like it's not like you're investing in an exit, like a portfolio is something that already has inherent value that you're putting money into right. investing in a port. Like I'm not investing in a portfolio of like plant pots with no like seed in them. Mm. Like that's what this is. Like, unless you mm. actually put effort, it's so hard to get anything working. Like to get mm. your brain to think about eight things is really hard. Whereas if you have one thing, you'll have more ideas for marketing. You'll have more ideas for audience. Like, I mean, maybe it's a personal thing, but I think it's very hard to, Like multitask, especially with a startup, because even with your one startup, there's a million things you have to do. Mm. You have to look at product, engineering, marketing, customer success, legal, like customer engagement, customer support. Like doing that times eight for something that's making you ten bucks a month sounds like hell to me. Mm. Like focus on the thing that's working and double down. And I think this idea that it's going to pay off at some point doesn't work because it's not like you're not throwing something into the ether and hoping someone like discovers it and it goes viral. It's like Mm. that process of grinding through customer acquisition is going to teach you so much more so if you're focused Mm -hmm. on one customer base then you can learn from them and then that'll give you the pivot that's going to be 10 times bigger than 100 times bigger Mm -hmm. but if you're focusing on like i don't know multiple customer segments multiple marketing channels like you're not in this like you're not exposing yourself to enough chance for learning i think yeah um And it sounds really distracting and really hard. Like having like 12 logins for something sounds horrible. Right, right. right. (laughs) I'm glad you
0: share your opinions super candidly.
1: And I think it's important
0: to hear that. Um, And I
1: don't have a lot of hot takes. I really like, I don't, I think like if it works for you, it works for you. Like I'm I'm pretty, I don't have very many strong opinions, but that just sounds really hard to me. And I think it's like when you have something that's making a thousand dollars, like you can make 10 grand, you can make a hundred grand. Like that is a lot easier than... Yeah, the other alternative. The under, the under sort of
0: the underestimated aspect of what you just shared is the thing where you touched on where you said there's a million things you gotta do to make one thing go to the next level, and I think that that's true, right? There's like so even if you pick the winner out of the, those three, you still have to do a million things. So if you haven't picked the winner, it's just even more complicated, you know?
1: Yeah. And just do it for three months and see what happens. Like, that's a yeah. very short period of time over a long career. Mm-hmm. And if you pick a 10-year time frame to make a couple million bucks, then that gives mm-hmm. you a lot of three-month bets. Mm-hmm. And. <laughs> Like if you can build what you can, if you can build an audience with you can, like right. you can get customers in three months and figure out like what kind of business you want to build. What You can reverse engineer a lot of this, but I right. think it's just like pure intense focus on something lets you learn so much more. And like that will give you a lot more ideas than sitting around like looking at stuff. right? Right. Like that intense focus leads to more learnings and about yourself and about your customers and about what you want to build as well. And I think we would have never launched like the website product with Durable unless we were in that market every day, grinding it out to acquire customers and talk to customers and create Mm. that market momentum. I mean, I think that's true for everybody. So one other tangent, I want to take the same thing, the portfolio approach, right? But
0: if you had a portfolio of like, let's say you have a SaaS product and then you have a service business, and then you have a paid community and you had some other service business, how do you reconcile all of this? Would you also say you want to pick the winner that's making money? And then just, I mean, of course, imagine all of them are making money.
1: Yeah. I don't think the distinction is that, like, why not have one product that does all three of them? So, like, if you have a SaaS product, you can also, like, combine that with the community and services. Mm. And that sounds a lot easier because you have one brand that you can then figure out what you're trying to sell and what problem you're trying to solve. I do think a lot of this, like, I don't follow a lot of the creators, I guess, that have this portfolio. I think it's kind of... I think it's hard. And like SaaS is a really good business model. Community is a pretty good business model. Services is actually a pretty good business model because you can charge more. But yeah, I think it's more starting with the problem and like, how do you solve that problem? And I think it is a focus thing too, because yeah. yeah.
0: No, SaaS is great. However, SaaS takes a long
1: time to get off the ground. And you might be wrong on SaaS. So you have to go through a lot of cycles to be right on SaaS, right? But yeah, again, like all this is nebulous and hard, but yeah, I think I don't have experience with like trying to run three of those things. It sounds like a lot of work and maybe it works. Yeah. I I don't know. Again, I think um, if you're really good at Twitter, I think you can do it as well. I think there's certain people that are very good. You might be really good at Twitter too. So maybe you could do that. (laughs) I think, you know, I mean, candidly from my lens, inevitably I have
0: done four of these brownie streams, like without even trying, like, like yeah. I have a newsletter that I just write because I love writing. Yeah. And when I took it as a challenge to write writing, I mean do writing, I've written twenty one weeks consecutively. And after sixth week I started putting out ads and saying, Hey, yeah. so looking for sponsors and I didn't have to work that hard. Ads nice. came to me. So, yeah. I just was starting to charge them because, you know, of exposure and all that. Podcast I haven't monetized, but my Twitter, I just love tweeting so I do it. Yeah. So, a lot of the times what ended up happening is I just loved something so much and did it for so long. My Twitter was 414 followers in 2018. Now it's 40k. I yeah. did it just for fun. Like you said, yeah. I was just having fun, I wanted to connect with smart people like you said, and it was fun. Now I've got to a point where there's it's fun, but it's also like operationally heavy. Yeah. All right. Now I'm like, okay, I got to prioritize this shit because there's this four or five things that are going out of me every week. Yeah. And I'm thinking, and of course I have a SaaS idea that I just tested last two weeks ago. Yeah. And I really, really want to test that. And I've got, yeah. when so, I launched, I got four paying customers. Three, I mean, yeah. Nice. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. And just like you, I reverse engineered the math and I thought if I really want this to go, I want it to be at least $30 per month. Yeah. And it's a topic that I'm very passionate about. It's all about newsletters. Nice. I love newsletters. Awesome. Yeah, And nobody's building this new seller CRM. And I'm like, okay, I see an opening in the market. I yeah. could go dominate this thing. So I yeah. tested, but now I'm like evaluating, do I go all in on the SaaS for three, yeah. four months or do I- Or do you do- hedge four or five you know what i mean so so i I, yeah.
1: I think that's a really interesting scenario and i think you can also like again looking at sequencing like one way of looking at what needs to be successful what do i need to prove for this to be a win but also what do i need to prove to, for this to be a loss right so mm. if you said hey i just want to grow the newsletter for three months i'm going to work my ass off to do that if it doesn't get to a point where it's making x amount whatever that right. target is right then shut it down just mm. say hey this didn't work i tried my best so i think like right. you have to almost trick yourself like it always takes longer to kill stuff than you think like it's so yeah. hard to kill something with that a little true. bit of traction like right. it's yeah like my like my my like my middle project between Visual CV and Durable same thing i got like we had like a couple enterprise deals revenue i think we probably did like 50 or 60k in revenue my first year and like a, a lot, lot of can, usage I but like kill yeah yeah but it was like ah uh, like but once you i mean we sold it too so yeah i guess that was a good exit but I was I should have killed it right. I actually should have because it wasn't like it was taking up so much headspace. It wasn't going to be the thing that I wanted to be, Mm. um, whatever. But you almost have to like learn that yourself. Like, what will it take Mm. to kill this? Is a good question too. Mm. Like, if I work my ass off on the newsletter and Twitter for the next month, two months, whatever that time frame is, and I don't get to a point where I want to, then like, am I going to be comfortable killing it? Like, Mm. how do you get to a point where you're comfortable killing it and then going? going to the next sequence of projects you want to build right. is one way of looking at it too. Yeah. Yeah. Because no, exactly. otherwise you're going to hedge and you're going to be distracted and then right. you're going to have middling success and you're not going to be able to kill it. I think it's it's a fun exercise to figure out what the point of- I love of, that. The other thing I've been getting and,
0: um, some great advice on, it, which is kind of, this is, you know, we can be, it's going to be a last, last thing we talk on is is this has come to me like many, many times where people said, KP, you will know when you have a hit in your hand. 100%. right, And you'll also know when you have just meh. You know, so like, it's like a musician, an artist, you have a bunch of jingles, you like make a bunch of, you know, whatever. And then when you, when you drop the beat, when you you play to an audience, you know, when you have a hit and one the hit carries itself. Like, it's just like, it will pull it out of you as opposed to you pushing it so much. And until you, until you get there, it's okay to fail, you know, N number of times or try N number of times. And I'm like, that felt super liberating to me. I'm like, whoa, that's cool. Then yeah. I'm like hopeful that this shit doesn't work in the
1: early days because I'm like, okay, that's oh, yeah.
0: okay because once you get to the hit, it's going to... doesn't matter. Nothing, after, nothing right.
1: matters but the hit, right? You only have to be right. right once and right. yeah, I mean, the number of things that I've launched is very large, like <laughs> a lot of projects, a lot of dumb businesses, a lot of dumb ideas, right? And like none of that matters once you have a thing that works right. and that's, yeah, that's that awesome. solves, success solves all problems success for better or for worse. Problems. right? <laughs> Awesome. James, this has been
0: such a blast. I'm so grateful for your time and for, you know, your candor and just your, you know, you, you're, you seem like an authentic, you know, awesome dude, man. I appreciate you. And thanks. thanks for all I that appreciate thanks that. For the you,
1: you too, KP. This is great. And yeah. Yeah. Keep me posted. I'm excited to see what you build. I think it's going to be great. So yeah. Awesome. We'll keep you in the loop. All right. Have a good one. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, man.